How many parents do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Probably a lot of, yeah, a lot of you are parents. Okay, yeah. So do you remember like the first time you brought that, that bundle of joy home from the hospital? Do you remember what it felt like? The, the first time when, you know, I remember you're maybe in the hospital two or three days at most if it all goes well. And the nurse will come in and she'll take Junior and she'll wrap him or her up. They, think it, they know how to wrap him up like a burrito, don't they? Just tight. They learn that in school. I know they do. But they just wrap up the baby and they put him or her in the, in the, in the, car, in the uh, carrier. And then they're like, good luck. And you're like, you, you're not coming with us? I mean, I, we, don't, we don't know what we're doing. 18 years, we're not going to make it 18 minutes. We have no idea, as, as new parents, what we're doing. Now, can we also agree that parenting is even, the styles have changed. Maybe since you were a kid, or I was a kid, to kids today. I'll give you an example. I grew up on a farm uh, until I was 10. I remember one day leaving the farmhouse, kid you not, no shirt, no shoes, pellet gun in one hand, animal trap in the other hand. And when I say animal trap, I'm talking bear claw animal trap, Get your foot stuck in there, and your new nickname is Stumpy. I mean, it's, it, I, I'm walking, I'm like, I'm like, bye, Mom. She's like, bye. No, like, hey, where are you going? Hey, be careful, sweetie. Hey, check in every 30 minutes. There was none of that. It was like, I'll see you later if you live through the day. You know, it's just, she, I'm like, what in the world? And now the pendulum has swung way over here, where, and you know who you are, overprotective parents, because I've, I've been there too. But our kids want to go outside and play today. We're like, get your helmet, you know, put on your knee pads. You know what? We got some bubble, bubble wrap over here. Let me just wrap you up real quick and get you out. You know, we, we overprotect sometimes. So it went from one way to the other way. What I know about my mom, and speaking in my life, my mom, did, she basically raised six kids on her own. And she did her best to point us to Jesus, to get us to church, and she was so good about that. But like I shared last week, if you were here, my story, even though my mom did a lot of, lot of very good things for me, at 18 years old, I would, I would drift from faith, and I would leave the church. We, we talked about that. And, and many of you have that same story. Do you know why? Because stats haven't changed in that area. 75%, three-fourths of young adults leave the faith or drift from the faith in the church. Christian adults, by the way, Christian adults, leave the faith, leave the church at 18 years old today. Three-fourths. And, and that's... That's a high number. That's a high stat. And it brings us to the question that we have for God today. In a series called God, Why? God, why are young people like leaving the faith? Why are so many young people leaving the faith? If you have a child or you have, maybe, maybe you don't have kids, but you have a younger presence in your life. Maybe it's a nephew or a niece or um, somebody that you serve or mentor or whatever. Think of those people right now. Your children your siblings that are younger, what's your greatest desire for them, for the future generation, for the, for the young generation that we're talking about? What's your greatest desire for them? Is, some of you might be thinking, I, I, I want to leave them with a better world than what I had. Makes sense. I want them to be happy. I want them to live a happy life. I want them to be successful. I want them to be healthy. Some of you might be thinking, I want my kids to be wealthy, right? They, that way they can take care of me when I get older. I, I already told my kids, listen, I, I gave you 18 years on the front end. You're giving me 18 on the back end, okay? As you take care of my back end. So you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, they're going to help out. <laughs> hey, Jake. <laughs> so, um, uh, so with all that said, even though you didn't answer the question out loud, you weren't supposed to, I already know your answer. You want the best for the younger generation. 
You want the very best for your child, for your grandchild, for your younger siblings, for the younger people that you know. In your, you want the best for them. You're not the only one. God wants the best for them. So, but, but what is the best? If we asked everybody, you'd probably have, we'd all have a different answer. So we don't ask for opinions because everybody, like we said last week, everybody's got one of those. We want God's word. So we're going to go old school today. This is the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible. This is the book where, where God is, is giving the commandments and the instructions to a group of people called the Israelites or the Jewish nation. And there's, God set them apart to be the example to all the other people in the world. Like live like they live, walk like they walk, talk like they talk. At least, so God gives them the instructions. And we're going to look at the instructions that God gave. It's so telling. So Deuteronomy verse or excuse me chapter 6 verse 4 listen to what god says and moses is relaying this he heard it from god and moses is telling the people this is what the lord says israel the lord is our god the lord alone pause that would hit home right there idolatry and worshiping many other gods back in the day was huge well it's huge today they don't look the same today. We call them things different, like, you know, whether it's hobbies or even our family or whatever things, uh, activities. They look different, but, but the Lord alone is our God. You probably have heard this next statement. Moses, through God, says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands I'm giving you today. And then look where he goes next. Repeat them again and again. To who, Moses? To the children. To your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. You mean not just on a Sunday morning? Nope, talk about them when you're on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Talk about them when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Where, where, where are the commands on your forehead as reminders? Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. My God, God is so adamant. Like he, What we're hearing here is that our homes need to be a place where God dwells. A place where scriptures are, are honored and taught and where, where faith is lived out by the way that we love. This is what we're hearing. Like God is saying, love me because I love you. Te get in my word, you need to know it. And then you teach it over and over, repeat it over and over. What is God saying to us? Love me, love God, and commit wholeheartedly to his word. The word wholeheartedly. That'll be the biggest word you hear today. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Um, four syllables. It's huge. I love that it's included in the word of God. Because if we're honest, and I've been guilty, we'll commit half-heartedly or a fourth-heartedly, but sometimes not wholeheartedly. And it's, the, and it's the key. Commit wholeheartedly to the word. Let's go back to the love part for a second, though. Remember how God said, you need to love me. With all that you are, all your heart, all your soul. Like he commands us to love. I mean, is, is love something you can command? My mom did. <laughs> like when me and my sisters would fight, and that would be often, they would cheat. They pull hair. Girls, I don't know why you do that. You go straight for the hair. But, so, but me and my sisters would fight. I had oh, four older sisters, one brother. And we'd fight. And we'd be in the middle of a knockdown, drag out fight. And my mom would come bursting in. She's like, hey, we do not act that way. And I'm like, Mom, clearly we do, okay? We're acting that way right now. <laughs> anyway, so, but my mom's like, you two need to knock it off, and you need to love each other. She would just command us to love each other. 
God commands us to love him. God says, you're better off by loving me. I love you. Love isn't just an emotion. When we think of love, we think of all feelings and huggies and kissies and emojis. uh, Love isn't just a feeling. Love's not an emotion. It, It is, but it's also a decision. Say it's a decision. Love is a decision. God has made a choice to love us. In our mess, in our sin, in our dysfunction, God loves us. And he says, you're to love. Not because someone deserves it, but because I love you. So, in fact, and sometimes God's love, it doesn't look all fuzzy. And it doesn't feel all like we think of love feeling. I'll give you an example. Proverbs. Listen to what it says in 3.12. The Lord corrects those that he loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. What's the word talking about there? Discipline. The, the Lord discipline. Oh, this, this always brings up the topic. And I've been asked this multiple times as a pastor. Should we spank our kids? You know? Some of you, you, have, you probably have a stance on that. Did we spank our kids? Do we not spank our kids? You already know my story. I told you. My, my dad would rip off that belt like he was starting a lawnmower. And then I would run. You know? He didn't care. He would, you know, my, and I, I, can't, I can't even recall what I got spanked over. But I'll guarantee whatever I did, I didn't do it again. I will guarantee you. And now I hear people or kids are like, don't you lay a hand on me, mom or dad, and I'll call Child Protective Services. I'm like, you better call them pretty quick because I'm going to have the wooden spoon in about two minutes. So, so, I mean, I'm just saying. So, (laughs) let's have a little fun. The Bible, if we're going to commit wholeheartedly to the Bible, what does the Bible say about spanking? Let's Let's just go there really quick. Proverbs 13, 24. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. You want the word of God, don't you? Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. I'll keep going. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. In fact, physical discipline may well save them from death. And all God's parents said... Amen. Jake, I was, every time I did it, I was saving you. You're welcome. I mean, so, so obviously, yeah, spanking, it's, but you got to be careful, and you have to decide what you and, your parent, or you and your spouse decide to do there and pray about that. That's all good. And you also, if you do resort to spanking, um, which it sounds like it is in the Bible, I would say you, you should never do it out of anger, right? Remember the whole point of discipline is love. Say love. So you never do it out of anger, which I've screwed that up a few times in my life. So, but you, you always want to discipline, whether it's that or a different form of discipline, out of love. Love God and commit wholeheartedly to his word. Over a thousand years later, the son of God, Jesus, was asked the same type of thing. What's the most important thing, Jesus? Jesus you thought this was original to Jesus. Because Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's what Jesus said. That wasn't original to Jesus. He's quoting the Father. See, the Father said it thousands of years earlier. And Jesus is just saying what the Father said. And Jesus does what the Father does. So Jesus says, love God with all that you are. But it doesn't just stop there. According to what God said, we need to not only do that, but then teach our kids. We need to teach our kids to love God with all that they are and, and, and wholeheartedly commit to the Word of God. That's what we need to do. So, I did some studying for this message, and it was so, a couple stats were staggering to me. 
Um, this is probably the most staggering that I, I didn't see coming. So a Barna, Barna is a group that they, they, this is their specialty. They focus in studies and surveys. And they did a study, a recent one, about the young generation, 18 to 23-year-olds. And this is nuts. So 18 to 23-year-olds, Christian 18 to 23-year-olds, it's, it's said that less than 1%, so over 99 point whatever percent, less than 1% of Christians between the ages of 18 and 23 have a biblical worldview. Less than 1% commit to the, to the word wholeheartedly. So I, I got a question, Pastor. What's that? Well, what's a biblical worldview? Good question. According to the survey, six different things make up a biblical worldview. These are the six. An absolute moral truth exists. It leads into the next one because we believe the absolute moral truth is the word of God. The Bible is completely inerrant. That means the Bible has no errors in it. Third thing that makes a biblical worldview. Satan is a real being, not symbolic. I can't even believe that one's up for debate. Like, if you don't believe in the devil and demons, okay, just ride with me in my car. I'll point out demons all over the place driving next to me in rush hour. I mean, they're all over. It's crazy. Don't doubt that. So, uh, four. Say four. A person cannot earn their way into the kingdom of God. They can't. It, it, they can't do it through good works. You'll never be good enough to earn the good graces of God or earn heaven or earn salvation. You and I never will be. That's a biblical worldview. The fifth, Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on the earth. That's a fifth biblical worldview. Number six. God is the supreme creator of the heavens and the earth and reigns over the whole universe today. Those are the six biblical things, or the worldview that, according to this study anyway. And you might be thinking, I don't, I'm not on board with number two or number four. That's okay. I mean, that's why we gather together to lean in. This is how we grow. Here's what's crazy. Now we're, now we're going to finally answer the question that we, we gathered together for. Why is the younger generation leaving the faith 75% of the time when they turn 18 years old, this is, this is what studies show. The most important factor, after hearing the biblical worldview, the most important factor in whether a young, young people leave the church or remain steadfast in their faith is whether they have a safe place. Whether they have a safe haven, they said, to express their doubts and concerns regarding their faith before leaving home. I'll say it again. The, one of the number one things, number one reasons, is right there, is whether they have a safe haven to express their doubts and concerns. Like, in other words, I'm not on board with the worldview you talked about. I don't believe that Jesus was sinless. I don't believe that, that, that he's the only way. I don't believe in the, the devil. I don't think he's a real thing. I think he's just kind of a, a made up, you know, whatever it is. And we as adults, we have, to, we have to create a space where they can have those conversations. And that's not happening. And, and, and because it's not happening, they're just, they're just le drifting from it. So it, this is, and where is it going to happen? They're not going to be having these conversations probably at school, most likely. They're probably not having a lot of these conversations with their friend groups or as they Snapchat or do whatever. Probably not. Some might, but most won't. Do you know where they're going to have these conversations? Do you know where the safe haven is? Home and church. That's it. Home and church. One of the biggest reasons that they have doubts, I think, the younger generation is, is Christians, right? The way we act sometimes, 
It's like someone said, well, pastor, you don't drive very Christian. I said, I know. That's why medals will never have bumper stickers, right? No one can ever know. So, uh, but we're all, we've all been hypocrites from time to time. And it's one thing to make a mistake, but to live in a way where you don't model what you say or what you teach, it's repulsive. And, it, and it, it, the kids, the younger generation sees right through it. It was so funny. This week, uh, I have a group of people every week that come over and we go through the message together. And uh, our worship leader, Sarah, was over with some others. And we were talking through the message, and I said, gosh, there's so many examples where we screw up, and, you know, I'll say something to Jake, and then I'll do something else, and we just, we're hypocrites. And uh, Sarah's like, oh, that's funny, because just recently, Cruz, this is his six-year-old son, came up to Sarah, squeaky clean Sarah, you know, and Cruz comes up, and he's like, dad, why don't, why don't we get to use bad words when you can? I'm like, this is getting good. What's Sarah say? And uh, so Sarah's like, I, I don't use bad words. He goes, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did, Dad. And Sarah's like, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah you did, Dad. You know, kids are pretty adamant. And I'm like, this is going to get good because you know what he's going to ask next. What was the word? And I'm like, all right, Cruz, let's hear it. What did Sarah? And so Cruz, Cruz is like, Dad, you said, shh. And, and Sarah's like, I did not say that. And Cruz is like, yes, you did, Dad. You said, shut your mouth. <laughs> so I thought it was funny because I know Sarah said worse than that, but he didn't admit it. But anyway, so, but, but our kids are watching us. See, the number one thing you can do as a parent, or not just as a this isn't just for parents. This is for anybody that has an impact on the younger generation, and that would be everybody in the room and everybody watching online. And I'm here to tell you, we have to model it. We've got to model it. I'm proud of you because you, by you being here, right now you're modeling it. By you making the decision, it's not Easter, I don't, you know, it's not Christmas, but I'm still in church. I'm, I'm still gathered. I'm still hearing the word of God. I'm getting encouraged. I'm getting loved. I'm getting prayed over. You're modeling it. And, that, and you want to know how huge that is? I'll give you more stats since that's what we're doing today. Another study about church attendance. Look at this. This, this one, the 1% thing blew me away, and this blew me away. So good. When both parents are faithful and active Faithful and active. Active means that you don't, you don't just come, but you're, you're a part. You're giving, or maybe you're serving, or, 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 or maybe you're um, um, in a group of some sort, but you're more than just coming and going. When both parents are faithful and active, the younger generation, the, the, the young adults, or the kids in this case, their kids, remain faithful 93% of the time. Now, you remember the stat we started with, three-fourths of them leave at 18 when both parents are faithful and active in, a, in the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, 93. And, and, and maybe, and, and let me tell you that, if there's just one parent, maybe your spouse doesn't come, maybe, maybe you don't have a spouse, whatever the case is, there's still tremendous hope. Because when one parent is faithful and active, it's still 73%. So instead of like 75% leaving, there's a 73% chance that your kid will remain faithful to the word, faithful to God. But when neither parent is active or faithful and they attend church now and then, 6%. 6% of the kids remain faithful. Here's what I'm saying. Why are kids leaving, the, why are the younger generation leaving their faith, leaving the church? Because of us. It's not on them, they're kids. It's on you and I. As the parents, as the grandparents, as the, as the uncles or aunts or whatever it is. It is on us. I was so convicted. I'm like, it isn't them, it's us. 
we're not giving them a safe space. We're not allowing them to, you know, voice their opinion. We're just kind of maybe cramming it down their throat or, or not allowing them to speak or express. And, and plus, we might not even be going to church and we not, might not be faithful ourselves, but we want them to be faithful. It makes no sense. Well, I, I think we got to ask ourselves as adults, I know I do, are we investing in the right activities? Like, for, not, not are your kids investing in the right activities? Because that's your job, to help them with that. we we got to stop letting our kids make decisions that we should be making. I'm, I'm telling you, well, they're 16 years. They're 16! Do you know what decisions I was making at 16? Guys, I think if we take this beer can and we shove this key in here like this, and then we do this, it'll go that much faster. I, you know, I wasn't making wise decisions. But we let our kids, and we let, Jake, I'll let you decide, like, where to go eat, right? Now, if I hate it, I'll say, pick the next one, or pick the next one. But, you know, Jake, you want to go to bed at 9 or 9.05? You have decisions, right? I'm nice. But, but, but understand something, in all seriousness, why in the world would, would we allow our kids, even teenagers, like, to decide, well, do you, do you want to be part of the faith, or do you want to come? I'm like, what? I... Uh, they're kids. Like, like, and this is not judgment on anybody, but our kids already, they knew before moving here, they'll never be act in activities or sports on Sunday morning. They never will. They never will. And not because we're better, just because that's what we want. To, that's one safe place where we want to really designate worship, even though it should be all week long, right? So we, we know that. So they don't have a choice in that. Youth, youth on Wednesday nights, Jake and Ava don't have a choice. They're going to go to youth. By and large, for the most part, they're going to youth. Luckily, they love it, so we don't have to force them to do it. Camp. Camp this, this summer. He, you're going, Jake. You already know that. But the, Jody and I, we're going to pack a suitcase, roll up a sleeping bag, chuck it in somebody's vehicle. We don't even know them. And we're like, sayonara. We'll see you in a week while mom and dad partay. You know what I'm saying? So I, we, yes, go. We love you. But they're not making those decisions. They never will. Well, when they're out of the house, they'll start making decisions. But why would we? That would be like, like even youth, to, to allow our kids to even, and you don't want to force them. I get it. It's got to be a conversation, right? But, but I'm, I'm not legalistic about it. Ava, it's so, how ironic that I'm preaching on this, and you don't see Ava sitting there. You know why Ava's not sitting there? She's out partying last night. I'll give her some grace. They had prom. Okay, so she's at the after prom party until four in the morning. I'm just going to tell you, she's not listening right now. You don't want Ava here on three hours of sleep. Nobody does. Nobody. So I'm not like the legalistic, I'm the pastor of my kid. I don't care if you get no sleep, you're coming to. No, no, no. There's ex I'm, I'm not talking about the exceptions. I'm talking about the norm. There's going to be exceptions. There's, you're going to have that. I get that. You've you got to have bend. But by and large, we've got to. I'm telling you, if I told Ava, like if I said, Ava, you can go, go to church if you want, it's your call. Go to youth, if you, it's your call. You're 17 years old. I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that. Because why would we do that? Faith is the most important thing. School, to me, is like here. Faith is here. I would ne you would never let your kid, hey, you're 16. You, I'm going to let you decide if you want to go to school. You make the decision. Ava would be home with me every day, okay? The kid ain't going to school. So, I, wow, I, we just... We need to own this for our families and for our kids and for the younger generation. We need to. So, oh, I, I want to share. I love sharing stories with you. I, our youth meets on Wednesday. Youth is 6th through 12th grade. Our youth meets on Wednesday, and oh, it's growing. It's crazy what God is doing. 
I reached out to just a, just a few youth leaders this week. I said, hey, any, any stories that you can share of just life change going on in youth? Within minutes, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's enough. I've only got so much time. This is what's happening. These, these kids are getting pointed by other people, parents in some cases, grandparents, other people, peers. Listen to what's going on in, in our youth ministry. There's a girl who comes from an at-risk family, chooses to spend most of her extra time at church. That's not normal. Whether it be at youth on Wednesdays, rehearsals on Thursdays for worship, meeting with leaders outside of the church, serving in kids' ministry, attending the garden prayer room, which happens from 1 to 3 o'clock. I mean, she's doing more than, than most of us adults. It's been so sweet to watch her grow closer to God. She, by the way, camp, as soon as she got the, the dates for camp, she immediately blocked those dates out of her calendar to make sure that she could go. This, this leader said she's a leader at youth, and we're so excited to watch her continually lead people to Christ and their God-given purpose. That's so awesome. Another student, one student has brought up multiple times in group how she's getting into the word daily. That's what's happening at youth. It's not just pizza and party. I'm telling you, they're getting in the word. They're learning about God. And, and she's mentioning what she reads to us as she's sitting in group. I love this next one. Another student invited a, 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 a classmate or a, a, a schoolmate who was bullying her. She invited her. I love this story. It says she invited someone who used to bully her to church multiple times. She even gave her a book to read. I think the book was titled, How Not to Be a Jerk. Okay, so no, I'm kidding. It says it was a book about God. So, um, but I, I mean, think about that. She's inviting, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. We did a survey in our youth ministry. This was probably about a month ago. And we asked the kids themselves, we said, what's the, what's the funnest part, the most exciting part about youth? Because you guys, I kid you not, they're hearing the gospel every week. They're getting the word of God every week. They are gathering together. They are playing games before and after. They do eat food. They do have snacks. They do party. They do have fun. Because it better be fun. They're kids. Their answer, do you know what their answer was? The number one thing they like at youth? Small group. Do you know what? I'll be specific. This leader said, uh, small group, going over the message, answering questions, and praying for one another. That's what they love. Do you know why? You know why? Because they can share stuff. Like, it's a safe haven, you could say. The, the last story even mentions a safe place. There's a high school girl who came into youth. She used to just come in, wear headphones the entire time, maybe say two words. She clearly didn't want to be there. She actually stopped coming for a while, but found her way back. I love that. Train a child. And she, now she rarely misses She's going through a lot of struggles, like many of the teenagers, especially recently. But in a conversation I had with her, check this, in a conversation I recently had with her, she told me that youth is the safe place for her to come. She genuinely loves being there. When she first started coming, she had no relationship with Jesus. But she would tell you today that because of youth ministry, she has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's happening! It is happening in kids' ministry, too. That's what we want to do. We want to partner with you as parents. We want to help you love and lead our families. We need each other. We started the whole thing with what? We said, we want the very best for the younger generation. I don't even need to know you to know that you want that. There is a pro and God wants the very best for the younger generation, but there is a problem. There is an enemy. 
He wants the very worst for your child and for the younger generation. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy anything good in their life. His, his method is one of lies, deceit, and busyness. He knows if he can keep mom or dad busy or the, or the kids busy and distracted on the things that don't matter, it'll keep them from what's most important. That's what he does, and that's what he knows, and that's what he's up to. I'm telling you, it is a quick trip with our kids, and you know that. Any parent knows that, even if your kids are really young. It's like, oh, I can't believe they're walking. I can't believe they're... It is a quick trip. This is a picture right before we planted the church of us. I look at this picture of us. Look at me. I was so young, I couldn't even grow a beard. That was how young I was. So, but look, every time I see, this is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Every time I see Jake, you don't even remember this, Jake, but, but when I was a campus pastor in Sioux Falls, I was sitting in my office, and I, I, I don't dress up, up a lot. Like, I just dress pretty casual normally, but this particular Sunday for church, I had on a sport coat. Must have been Christmas or Easter. I don't know. So Jake comes into my office. He's like, hey, Dad. And you were just that age. And he says, hey, Dad, nice costume. And I'm like, Jake, it's not a costume. It's just kind of funny. It's like, this is legit. Now get out of here. So, but, but this is, and it, but if you don't think it's a quick trip, this is, this is the current picture of our family, this next one. Look at that. It's a quick trip. I mean, it, it goes fast, doesn't it, Jake? Can you believe that? Okay, so we're kind of kidding there, but <laughs> I just had to do that. That's funny. But, but all joking aside, you know it's a quick trip. You know it is. And, and, and you and I as parents, we can, we can raise our kids and the younger generation to be successful in the world, to be, to be professional to, 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 to be what everything they're created to be according to what the world says. We can do all that. But if they don't know the one who created them, it doesn't matter. If they don't live for Christ and his purpose in their life, it means nothing. I'm telling By the way, God didn't call them to be successful. God called us to be faithful. Right? That's what God called us. To be faithful. God will, when you're faithful, God will do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. For you and your family. This is a special day because we're doing child dedications. And, and uh, I want to invite the three families that are dedicating to come up. And as they come up, I'll share a little bit about it. And they could come up and, I don't know, yeah, just stand right over in this area. So as they come up, here's, here's why we're doing this. It's biblical. We want to commit to the word of God wholeheartedly. So we, for, for babies, toddlers, we don't do the baptisms because we don't see one in the Bible. But we do dedication because our King of King and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, was brought into a temple one day by Mary and Joseph, and they dedicated him when he was eight days old. So these families have made commitments to, like they're hearing this message, this message is for them just like it's for you, but they're making a commitment today. This isn't so much for the kids. Like, I mean... I love your kids, Georgia, I love you, but you're not going to remember any of this. You're not. So it's for the parents. That is a beautiful thing, what you just witnessed. We close with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're okay with that. The whole, the whole service has been focused on the younger generation, on kids. I always say something that might sound controversial to maybe even other churches, but it's not controversial because it's in the word of God. By default, you're not a child of God. Most people in the world are not children of God, despite what they might say or despite what you maybe learned growing up. The default, because of our nature and our sin that's in us, the default is that we're, we're apart from God's family. 
We're we're orphans. We don't belong to a family. Now, now understand something. Kids are covered by the grace of God. The kids that are like we just dedicated, anything tragically would ever happen, they are covered by the grace of God. But at some point, a child will get to a point where they're morally responsible. And when that happens, we know all too well that we are, we are bent towards doing things we shouldn't do. We know that from a young age. You do and I do. We are apart from the family of God by default, not, not, not part of it. So to become a child of God, God had a plan. He sent Jesus to, to pay a penalty that you and I could not pay. God sends his son, his only son, his only child, to, to a cross and, and, and by that cross, by Jesus dying on that cross, by the grace of God, it gives us hope to be adopted. Because the only people that are, that, are, that are children of God are people that are saved by God, covered by the grace of God. That's it. And the only way that happens is through Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through the Son. Nobody. So God sends Jesus, Jesus dies on a cross. But, but like we celebrate last weekend, of course, but at, at this church, we celebrate it every weekend. Jesus Christ didn't stay dead. See, Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead to give you hope. To tell you that this world isn't all there is. To say that he's a God that is powerful enough to take death and make it life. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people back to life. And there's some in this room, and there's some watching online that you're dead in your sin and you know it. And my prayer today is that you will be adopted. That's what the Bible says. You'll be adopted into the family of God. How? By faith. Faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. I'm telling you, you will never, you will never know who you were created to be until Christ lives in you. Ever. And, and when you're saved, when you call on the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters into you physically. And you're saved. And you're set free. And no, you don't deserve it. Neither do I. But God doesn't give us what we deserve. Thank you, Father. He loves you. Is everybody loved by God? Yes. Everybody created by God? Yes. Everybody made in the image of God? Yes. Everybody children of God? No. Those saved by God's grace through your faith are adopted and then become children of God. I love God's word and God's truth. I pray by faith you sell out to what the gospel that you just heard. Call on the name of Jesus Christ. Allow him to come into you and make you new. Let the word of God be your authority. If you're not part of a life group or a small group, that is a next step for you to grow in your faith. Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God, died so that you might live, not just today, but forever. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. I thank you for the three families dedicating their children to you. I know they did it up on a stage, and I love that, but I believe there's dedications happening all over the room and all over the world online right now. People are understanding that, you know what? The younger generation falling away from faith, it isn't on the younger generation. They're young. Many not even old enough to make decisions all the way for themselves. And, and, and I, we sometimes are quick to judge. Well, look at the way that they act. Look at the way that they dress. Look at the way that... Look at them. They're kids. God, you know what I was doing. You know what I still do sometimes. Decisions we make, even as adults. God, I pray this message resonates in our hearts. We are to love you wholeheartedly. Love the word of God wholeheartedly. And I can't get over what you said. 
repeat it, repeat it. Why do you keep saying repeat it? Because we're quick to do the one and done. Oh, I went to church, I'm done. Oh, I prayed a prayer one time, I'm saved. It's a daily surrender. It is. Why do you say pick up your cross daily? Because we put it down daily. Father, may the Holy Spirit pierce our hearts as I pray. Show us where we're lacking. Show us where we're not committed. Show us where we're, we're, not, we're not wholeheartedly committed to you and your word. Bless us, God. Surrender is what you want, and surrender is what we want to give you today by faith. Thank you for the young generation. They are our future, God. May we honor and bless them, create safe places for them to ask questions and doubt and love them all along the way. Here's, here's our commitment in this church anyway. We will ruthlessly point them to the word of God and to Jesus Christ. That's all that matters to us. We want them to know you and love you and sell out to you. I don't really care about, I mean, college is cool. Getting good grades is cool. Being good in sports, you know, that's all, that's all fun. That's great. It's just worthless at the end of the day if they don't know you. And they're not a child of God. Help us love God. Help us lead God. We love you. We thank you. We love Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. It's in his name we pray and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.